So if the Lord were to come to you and, and say, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you, what would you ask for? If the Lord wrote you a blank check and just said, here, whatever it is that you desire, I will give it to you, what would the thing be that you would ask for? More money? Different job? Perhaps to be married? Perhaps to have kids? Perhaps for some sort of change in circumstance, maybe physical health and healing? Well, in the book of 1 Kings, the Lord came to Solomon and gave him this blank check. He said, King Solomon, ask anything and I'll give it to you. And if you're familiar with the story, you know what Solomon answered. Lord, give me wisdom. Above anything else, Lord, help me to be able to judge correctly. Give me discernment. Give me an ability to see into situations and determine what is good, what is evil, what is right, what is wrong, what is the best path forward. Would that have been your answer? I have to admit, that probably wouldn't have been mine. Because here's the thing, I don't know if I value wisdom as much as I should. And and I would ask you, do you value wisdom? Is it something that you care about? Is it something that you pursue? And maybe to ask it a little bit differently, where do you go for wisdom? Like, how do you define it? What is the source that you go after? When you think, I need wisdom, here is where I am going to go. Well, if you're familiar with the story, the Lord answered Solomon's prayer, and he made him a wise and discerning king, the likes of which history has never seen since. And much of the wisdom that the Lord revealed to Solomon and gave to Solomon, he wrote down in the book of Proverbs. And these Proverbs, this wisdom and and the wisdom of others that, that the Lord gave, have been collected for us in the book of Proverbs. And as Brad just read, the book of Proverbs was given specifically for the purpose of teaching wisdom. One. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 say this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to, to give un, understanding words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. You want to be wise and insightful. You want to practice wise dealings. You want to be able to walk in righteousness and justice and equity. You want knowledge and discernment and you need to tune your ear to the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs, in the general sense, are these sort of short, pithy statements used to teach and communicate truth. And in the ancient world, Proverbs were a primary means of instruction. This was a regular way that older people would pass certain wisdom and teaching down to younger generations. Now, in our day, Proverbs kind of have this little different meaning kind of a little bit used more for entertainment, kind of these little sayings that we put on fortune cookies or slap on bumper stickers, and they communicate gems of wisdom like this. The early bird gets the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. Or he who who throws mud loses ground. Or, Or how about this one? The usefulness of a cup is in its emptiness. I have no idea what that means. But we, we've sort of reduced the idea of Proverbs down to these silly, short statements that don't really carry a lot of weight for us. And so we need to be careful to not misunderstand what the book of Proverbs carries for us. This is what Proverbs thirteen fourteen tells us. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares 
of death. See, the wisdom in the book of Proverbs is not silly and, and just sort of for entertainment purposes. These are matters of life and death. These are matters of deep and rich wisdom for us to live by. And so Proverbs is significant. It carries a weight to it. And we recognize wisdom is no, no small matter. And we intuitively understand this. We understand that wisdom is often the difference between success and flourishing and ruin and misery. We recognize wisdom is important because we recognize, look, life is complex. Like there are situations that don't just have easy answers to them. There isn't always this obvious, hey, this is what you need to do flashing from the sky. And we even think about the, the word of God, that God's word gives us very clear categories for sin and for righteousness. But it doesn't tell us how to apply it in every single situation. Wisdom is the skillful application of these categories. Wisdom is something that drops down into the nooks and crannies of our life and helps us to navigate those difficult and complex situations. And really, so many of us, we can be unhappy with the state of our jobs, state of our finances, state of our marriages and relationships, the state of our parenting, our health. And so do we do. We seek wisdom. We seek ways of understanding. We look for wisdom to help improve our situation. This is why sort of the self-help, life coaching uh, industry is a $10 billion a year industry. Because we seek wisdom. We want wisdom to help us improve our situation. We want to know how to navigate the challenges and complexities of life and come out on the other end successful. And so our country is full of people seeking wisdom for more success and more happiness. So how do we get wisdom? How do we approach wisdom? Well, we first need to understand that wisdom begins with humility. As Proverbs 1, 5, and 6 tells us, let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. Like the, the idea here is the wise understands, hey, I need wisdom. I'm not a wise person and so I need understanding. Sort of the, the old saying that the wisest person in the room is the one who doesn't think they're wise. So if you want to seek wisdom, if you want to walk in the way of wisdom, first you just have to acknowledge, hey, look, I'm not a wise person and I need help. And then there's another aspect to this as well in verse 6. It says to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Now don't get confused about this word riddles. Riddles here isn't some kind of like fancy wordplay where we got to solve a puzzle. The idea of riddle here is trying to see, understand particular situations and how to apply. As we said, life's complex. Life is challenging. And to apply wisdom in a particular situation is hard. And so what Proverbs calls us to do is slow down and think through things. Slow down and process. We need to be able to understand how to skillfully apply wisdom. Consider Proverbs 26, 4, and 5. Here's a great example of the riddle. It says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Then the next verse says, don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Sometimes you need to answer a fool, sometimes you don't. When do I do it? That is skillful wisdom. That is trying to understand the riddle. That takes slowing down. That takes processing. That takes meditation and reflection. See, wisdom forces us to stop and think and reflect. 
And this runs counter to our culture and the way that we process information. Here's what Ray Ortland says about the contrast between the way our culture takes in information and what Proverbs calls us to. Like in our chaotic lives of constant stop, start, stop, start, short attention span, mental habits, with an endless stream of momentarily visible Twitter, free, Twitter feed fragments of information, we have been reduced to one splinter factoid after another. And we are trying to patch together some kind of elegant whole worth living. Oh, our world is defined by hasty thoughts, impulsive decisions, and rash judgments. And so if we're ever going to live lives defined by wisdom, if the beauty and the power of wisdom are ever going to grip us and transform us, oh, we need to slow down. We need to slow down and consider the words of the wise. We need to reflect on the book of Proverbs. And so we're going to slow down and spend some time meditating on wisdom. So in the months of July and August, we're going to walk through the book of Proverbs, looking at the nature of wisdom and then trying to apply it to some particular situations in our lives. So this week and next week, we're just going to talk about the nature of wisdom. And in the remaining series, we're going to cover topics like communication and planning and parenting and self-control, friendship, marriage and work and money. I'm excited about this journey because the book of Proverbs oftentimes sort of just gets treated as these, okay, here's this one saying, you just kind of got to look at it and just sort of figure out how to apply it here. When there's, it's much richer than that. It's much deeper than that. And so that's why I want us to begin our study by spending the next few minutes reflecting on the blessing of wisdom. So Proverbs 3.13 says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Blessed is the one who holds fast to wisdom. And so it's really easy for us to just jump to the, hey, how do I apply this? Get me to the practicals. Slowing down means we need to stop and reflect. How is my approach to wisdom even taking place? What is my view? What is my heart towards wisdom? Before I can even get to this application, I need to have a heart posture towards wisdom. I need to see it as something beautiful and powerful. God's word paints a much bigger picture of the nature of wisdom. And so scripture wants to first erase our affections. That's why the book of Proverbs begins with a bunch of poems. In order to raise our affections to see the beauty and the power of wisdom before we get down into applying it. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to reflect on two things, largely from Proverbs 3. The worth of wisdom and the source of wisdom. So let's start just considering the worth of wisdom from Proverbs 3. And so I, I need to ask here, what is it that you value? What is it that has weight and worth and beauty in your mind? What is it that you most desire? What are the things that you pursue with all you are because you believe if I get that thing, I'll be blessed? Well, as I just said, Proverbs 3.13 says this, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Now, we have to be careful about this word finds because there's a lot of different ways that we find things. Find things even that are valuable. So I was reading an article recently about this, this guy in Virginia who was cleaning out his great aunt's basement after she had passed away. And he found this big tub of comic books I guess it was his great uncle's collection of comic books. And in this collection, there's like 350 comic books. First edition Superman, first edition Batman, 
Now, if you're a comic book reader, you know that's a big deal. And so he sold this collection for $3.5 million. That's finding riches, just sort of, I wasn't looking for it, and there it was. Just kind of tripped, and I fell, $3.5 million. That's how a lot of us like to find things. That's the way we want to sort of treat wisdom at times. Man, I'm just kind of going along, not looking for wisdom, and I trip over, and there it is. We want it to come easy. We want it to just sort of be there, right there, just kind of buried, and I just kind of move a few things out of the way, and there it is. That's not the word in Hebrew here. The word Hebrew, and it finds in Hebrew here, has this sense of intensely searching, pursuing, seeking. It's more like the family in China that I recently read about. So there was this family who, they were, they were in their sort of their big bustling city, working at their sort of where they, they sell their, their goods. I think they were, they were either, I think maybe uh, produce merchants or something, but they're in this big bustling market. And their young daughter disappears. Just, I don't know, just gone. Have no idea. So they, they frantically search, frantically search, frantically search. Days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into months. Months turn into years. And no one is able to find her. So eventually the father becomes a cab driver in the town. And he puts a picture of his daughter in the window. And every time he takes someone somewhere, he hands a, a, a flyer to this person and say, I've lost my daughter. I'm looking for my daughter. He even said he was hoping that one day his daughter would happen to just be in his cab and he would give her a ride. 25 years later, an artist hears about this man and takes the picture of his young daughter, draws what she would potentially look like 25 years later, and it gets broadcast on the news. This woman, just in the town over, sees this report and says, that kind of looks like me. I'm I'm gonna sort of follow up on this. Calls in, DNA test, finds her. 25 years of pursuing, 25 years of looking, relentless, not giving up, going after this thing until it is found. That is the picture of finding wisdom that scripture holds out for us. A pursuit, a relentless pursuit that does not give up and is ongoing. And why? Why? Why should we pursue wisdom this intensely? Why should we give our all to the pursuit of wisdom? Because of its worth. For the gain from her, that is wisdom, is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She's more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. See, Solomon, he knows what's up here. He contrasts wisdom with silver and gold and precious jewels because he understands our hearts. He knows what we want. He knows we want all the things. He knows what we cherish. He knows what we pursue. It is often material possessions and comforts. We want the status and the security and the pleasure that having wealth and things brings us. And so, oh, we'll pursue those things. We'll run after those things. Like our heart will be set on things like money and wealth and possessions and status and success. And it's not only that. So often we take wisdom and we make it a tool. We won't pursue wisdom itself. We'll pursue wisdom that will help us achieve the things that we want. So the things we really value, wealth and success and status, that is what we're pursuing, and wisdom is just a means to that. And so here's what we do. We submit wisdom to wealth and status and success rather than submitting those things to wisdom. And so right out of the gun, Solomon is calling us to account. He's saying, hey, what do you really value? 
Do you value wisdom in and of itself, or do you value something else? And he causes us to have to reflect on how we use wisdom. Because here is sort of the scary reality. Because if, if, if this is how we use wisdom, if we reduce wisdom as a means to achieve all of these other things, this is what we become. Pure consumers. Like our wisdom will make us nothing more than people who consume things and use other people. Listen to what Kit Dillon writing for medium.com says about sort of the self-help industry. So he, he's a reporter that attended, some of you may be familiar with Tony Robbins, kind of the big self-help guru. So he attended one of these events that Tony Robbins puts on. And all of the self-help sort of success that Tony, Tony Robbins offers and sells, and Kit Dillon has this moment of clarity about what this is leading him towards. It was in these moments that the essential message of Tony Robbins with all its blurred edges and imperfections emerged. In these moments, it was clear why Tony had, has so many billionaire friends and why the Harvard Business Review, Accenture Consulting, and American Express all ranked him among their top business guru lists. What Tony was doing with his message, at least momentarily, was reigniting in us, his audience, our ability to want and to crave more than we had. He did this not by focusing on what we already had, but by reinvigorating our interest in what could still be attained while also confronting our dissatisfactions. By having us forever exist in that otherwise fleeting moment between want and ownership, when the newness of a thing really is making us happier, he would make better consumers of us all. On Planet Tony, our achievement became in some way linked to our ability to consume so that we could buy another car, another home, a vacation home, a home that was at least bigger than our neighbors. Is that all wisdom is good for? Is that all wisdom is to you? A means to just have more stuff. A means to better control your relationships so they work in your favor. Is this all wisdom is for us? Is this how we treat wisdom? And if the wisdom you pursue is less valuable than the other things that you want, then how good a wisdom is that? How valuable a wisdom is that? How we, we shrink wisdom, we chase after lesser wisdom. And Solomon is calling us on this. Now look, wisdom, true biblical wisdom absolutely has practical value. Like the book of Proverbs screams this. Follow wisdom, there is a, a level of material success that you will experience. Good things will happen. It will have an effect on your relationships. It will have an effect on your work. It will have an effect on your wealth. These things are good. There's nothing wrong with that. However, God's word, God's wisdom calls us into something deeper. It calls us to something beyond just gaining things and consuming things. See, true biblical wisdom is transformative. It's going to transform you and I into something more beautiful, more godly. It's going to transform the way that we view wealth, the way that we view work, the way that we view our relationships, the way that we view communication. True wisdom transforms us in a way that we submit those things to wisdom. God's word says, look beyond consumption. Look beyond material wealth. Look beyond material comfort. Look beyond status and success to something of far greater worth. 
Proverbs 3, 16 through 18 says this of wisdom. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her life. Wisdom brings life. Something greater, something more profound, something deeper. Like wealth and possessions and security, these things are aspects of life, but they're not how we are to live life. Wisdom calls us into something better. This is what Bruce Waltke says in his commentary on Proverbs. And this is so good. Wisdom is skill at living well. Money is not. Money can put food on the table, but wisdom puts laughter around that table. Money can buy a house, but wisdom makes it a home. Money can buy a woman jewelry, but wisdom wins her heart. You see, wisdom brings us into something deeper, something greater. Do all we want to be is mere consumers? Or do we want life at its fullest, its its richness, in all its love, in all its grace, in all its mercy, in all its beauty? If that's what you long for, if that's what you want, then pursue wisdom. Verse 16 says, wisdom holds honor in your right hand. And so the word honor in Hebrew is kavod. And if you're at all a theology nerd or a language nerd like me, you've probably heard this term before. It, it means weighty or heavy. It's, it's a word that's often translated glory. It means something that has substance and weight to it. Wisdom brings a depth and a weight to us. It gives us a life of substance and meaning. You see, we recognize this, that if all we're pursuing is material wealth, it's, it's, it's shallow, isn't it? Like, like if you know people that they're just given to just more money and more possessions, you kind of think they're, they're kind of shallow. Like people who, who walk in foolishness and, and they don't pursue wisdom and you see all kind of the, the mess that that makes, we go, there's a shallowness to their soul. There's a shallowness to the way they live their life. Wisdom calls us back and says, do you want depth to your soul? Do you want depth to your character? Do you want the the things that you do and the way you live your life to carry a weight and an honor to it? Oh, then pursue wisdom. Do you want your finances to be more than just going and spending and consuming or being a tight-fisted miser? Because you want to experience freedom in your finances. You want to experience wealth and possessions as a blessing to you so you can go and bless other people. Well, Proverbs says, pursue wisdom because wisdom brings honor. It brings success. It brings peace. It brings life. Do you want to experience health in your relationships? You want all the love and the grace and the mercy and forgiveness and intimacy and character growth that happens when you're in deep, good, life-giving relationship? Do you want your speech to be life-giving and wise, all then pursue wisdom because wisdom brings life and it brings honor and it brings pleasantness. Do you want security, true security? Then pursue wisdom. Here's what verses 23 through 26 tell us. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked. When it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Here's the beauty of this. Like your security, your comfort, not based on possessions that can rust and decay and go away, not based on wealth that can be wiped out, 
not based on circumstances that constantly change, not based on people that can constantly fail you, but the Lord. Like wisdom brings us to the Lord. Our security and our comfort are in the Lord. And this really is the beauty and the power and the worth of wisdom because true wisdom brings us to the Lord. It brings us to the source of wisdom. You see, there are many places we can go for wisdom. But if we want to experience this blessing, if we want to experience the honor and the life and the peace that wisdom brings, then we have to seek it at the right place. As 3, 19 and 20 tell us, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. There's a wisdom that is foundational to our world. There's a wisdom that holds our world together, that that our world was based upon. There's a wisdom that permeates every cell and molecule and atom of our existence. Like wisdom is woven through the fabric of the universe and the source of that wisdom is the Lord. So if we're going to experience wisdom, we have to go to the Lord. As Proverbs 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So the Lord is the source and it is only when we humble ourselves It's only when we bring ourselves underneath the Lord and his wisdom that we truly begin to walk in wisdom and truly learn to apply it. So the source of our wisdom must be the Lord. But as we've already pointed out, there's a problem to this. The problem is, is that we don't seek wisdom from the Lord. So often we seek wisdom from other sources. Since the Garden of Eden, We have gone after wisdom in other places. The great sin of Adam and Eve, the great sin that you and I perpetuate is to reject the Lord and his wisdom. We will reject the Lord as sovereign king and the good God of the universe. We'll reject the Lord as the one who defines good and evil. We'll reject the Lord as the one who is the source of life and the source of wisdom and we'll put ourselves in that place. We've cut ourselves off from the source. We've set up other sources of wisdom. And look what it's done. Like, look at the mess that we make for all our wisdom. Look at the mess in our relationships. For all our wisdom, look at the mess in our finances. Look For all our wisdom, look at the mess in our political systems, in our educational systems. For all our mess, look at the brokenness around us. How we deserve judgments. Let's be honest. We've broken this thing that the Lord has created. We've wrecked it. We've shot it through with evil and sin and dysfunction, and we deserve judgment. Alongside that, we need a new source of wisdom. We need something to rescue us. We need something to pull us out of our dysfunction. We need something to pull us out of the ways that we have broken it and the wisdom that we have that gets us nowhere. And here's the good news of the gospel. God, in his infinitely great wisdom, has broken through our rebellion. He's broken through our our dysfunction. He's broken through our sin. He's done something about the evil and destruction that our wisdom has perpetuated on this world. He's made a way for us to be forgiven and cleansed and restored to him as the true source of wisdom. This is what the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, 
both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and Christ, the wisdom of God. Christ crucified, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. The gospel, Jesus Christ, life, death, resurrection, ascension, is the most clear and powerful display of God's wisdom. And look, in our wisdom, we would never devise a plan that included the cross. God coming down from his glory and becoming a man and suffering a gruesome death in order to make all things new, that's not the way we think of things. And really, the cross is too glorious, too profound, too deep for us to have invented, for us to have come up with. The cross is not our wisdom, but all glory to God. It's his wisdom. You see, our wisdom would never save us. Our wisdom isn't going to bring forgiveness. Our wisdom isn't going to bring healing. Our wisdom isn't going to bring restoration. Our wisdom isn't going to defeat death. But God's wisdom through the gospel saves. It restores. It forgives. It heals. It redeems. It transforms. It takes selfish, shallow people who are given over to sin and rebellion, and all they do is consume for their desires and use other people, and it transforms them into people that are spiritually deep transforms them into people with depth of character, with a beauty to their soul, people who give their lives to love and to serve, who experience and give mercy and grace and experience joy and peace. That is the wisdom of God and the power it has through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God that his wisdom is not our wisdom. And praise God that there is a wisdom that rescues us from our shallow wisdom. But as those verses tell us, like unless we turn from our sin, unless we turn from our own wisdom, then Christ is just going to be foolishness to us. The wisdom of God will seem foolish to us if we stay in our own source of wisdom. And so church, as we go through this series, as we reflect on the book of Proverbs and the wisdom that it speaks to us, Let's be humble and walk in the fear of the Lord. Let's turn from our sin. Let's turn from our rebellion. Let's turn from our own wisdom and all the broken sources of wisdom we run to. And let's go to the Lord and find wisdom in Christ, wisdom in the gospel. Let's let Jesus Christ breathe his life and his wisdom into us that we may be transformed. And here's also the good news for us. If you are united to Christ by faith, Jesus becomes your teacher. Jesus becomes your teacher. And this is good news because Jesus isn't just some kind of hippie surfer guru dude spouting off sayings that we slap on t-shirts, slap on bumper stickers. Now, Jesus Christ is the wisest, smartest, and shrewdest man who ever walked the planet. No one outthought Jesus. No one was smarter than Jesus. No one tricked Jesus. No one cornered Jesus. He was always 10 steps ahead of everyone. The wisdom of Jesus confounded the wisest people of the day. When his friends would question his wisdom, they left humbled. When his enemies questioned his wisdom, they left silenced. See, Jesus is the perfectly wise counselor. His wisdom speaks perfectly into every situation. Jesus shines light into every square inch of darkness. So if you want to be wise, truly wise, learn from Jesus. If you want wisdom, to transform your soul and give it depth and give it beauty, learn from Jesus. If you want the power of wisdom to give you life and for you to experience love and grace and mercy and joy and comfort and peace, learn from Jesus. 
in Matthew 12, Jesus was confronting the religious leaders of his day. And he was, he was going at them hard because he said, hey, when Solomon walked the earth, when, when people got wind of Solomon's wisdom, they came from all over the earth to learn from him. And Jesus said, somebody greater than Solomon is here and you're not listening. You see, Jesus is greater than Solomon. For all his wisdom, the source of Solomon's wisdom is Jesus Christ. Jesus is Proverbs incarnate. Jesus teaches us through the book of Proverbs. And so the beauty of this is that as we walk through the book of Proverbs, Jesus is teaching us. And it is his life, it's his death, his resurrection that makes sense of it all. And so as we learn from Proverbs, remember we are learning from Christ himself in a wisdom that transforms us. And so let's commit ourselves. Let's humbly walk in the fear of the Lord and learn from Jesus. And so church, I'm excited to slow down, take this journey of wisdom with you. I know I need more wisdom. And just even in this week, just reflecting on different aspects of my life, and I'm thinking, man, I don't walk in wisdom. Like, I make a mess of things often because I don't pursue wisdom found from the Lord. And so I need this. And so I'm excited to to slow down and walk with you in this. Let's be provoked by the words of Proverbs 3, 21 and 22. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. And so may our hearts long for wisdom because we long for Christ. May we celebrate and cherish the worth and beauty of wisdom because we celebrate and cherish and worship Christ. And may we commit to pursuing wisdom. May we commit to encouraging others to pursue wisdom and may, so that we all lift our gaze to Christ and let him teach us and transform us, that wisdom adorns our lives and adorns this church. Amen.